0: Welcome to episode 612 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto team, welcome on to episode 612. I am talk with coach John Newsom and Bevan James
1: Owls. How you go, mate? I'm pretty good, thanks Bevan. We're actually instantly recording this after the last week's episode
0: and John's eaten what four eggs
1: in two seconds? No, two. I've got one to go. So if you recall the very end of the last show, Bevan gave me, th- I got three Easter eggs. I wouldn't say Bevan gave them to me, I uh, took them. Oh no, I and, and oh, i take I'll some credit here. You go, I've, I've got two of them, I've saved my, my cream egg and that's going to be devoured Maybe halfway through the show. Nice. So there you go. So this week's
0: show's a little bit different because... Oh, I'm talking proudly brought to you by...
1: Extreme Endurance. You'll like that buffer. Tanyapura.
0: Back on board, John. Back on board. Tanyapura is a great
1: training resort based in Thailand. And you're going to hear about uh, a little bit about it today. We've ha- had uh, Colin, who was over there... Uh, Colin Norris, who was over there training recently. And he's an up-and-coming 70.3 pro. And you'll hear a little bit about it there. But oh, great. But if you want to go to Tanyapura.com... I'm, I'm trying to organise a camp over there for either late 2019 uh, is, is ideally the plan. So it's a fantastic training facility. You'll hear a bit more about it later. Oh,
0: pretty great place. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. And we'll thank you to the patron. Let's name a few. Uh, Phil,
1: the Philinator Patterson. Oh, I, I see you've changed that. Yes, I don't, he didn't really like the material provider. Yeah, I understand why.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good old James Picker, Angel Danger slash Hot
1: Lips. Or Terry a Dirty Little Secret, or DLS. Here
0: we go. In this switch show, it's a little bit different. You guys, John is actually in the Commonwealth Games right now. So uh, John's over in the Commonwealth Games. So we're just doing a quick news. Uh, then we've got interview galore. So what's happening with the interviews, John?
1: We have got... Uh, first up, we're going to have Cam Worth. So if you recall the Hawaii Ironman last year, you might remember that name, he broke the Ironman course record on the bike over there. Um, What you might not realise, he did actually win Ironman Wales uh, only a few weeks before that. He'd finished second uh, at Ironman Sweden, also been a former pro cyclist and as you're going to hear later on, he's still riding with pro cyclists as well. So look, he's sort of taking a slightly different approach to racing and uh, he could do some damage. You know, He is a serious rider and he can swim and his run's improving so watch this space
0: and, and to be honest the run's an easy one to improve isn't it
1: easy to improve to a certain degree you know to get down to say 245 yeah, is pretty challenging yeah. but if you he, can bike he, like he bikes he's at three hours now uh, and for him to chip away and maybe get down to 255 and potentially 250 is not beyond the realms of possibility we could talk about that when we get an in interview anyway john uh and we've got another interview we have, so we've got Colin Norris, he's a up-and-coming tri. uh, an up and coming tri, an up and coming 70.3 athlete, so uh, I'd never heard of him, you're going to find out a little bit about him shortly. Okay guys, so uh, first of all let's look at some, just a couple of quick pieces of news. We have got Man South Africa, we are back in racing mode, which is going to be great and it's a really championship good race. championship race, good money. Uh, in, in our Ironman world and really good, solid field. So uh, you've got James Karnemar, Ben Hoffman and Cameron Wirth on the guys' side of things, along with Maurice Clevel. He finished, I think it was second at Rote last year. Uh, Rudy Wild, uh, Matt Trotman, Ronnie Shildnick, Josh Amberger. So really good quality field. Uh, Dylan McNeese is on the start list. I'm not sure if he's still going or not. Michael Raylert. Michael Raylert. Uh, Michael Nicholas. So... Really good quality field.
0: And, interesting how Nico goes now. Because mm. it's definitely long in the tooth,
1: but he's still quality, still good for a yeah. you know, a good result. But I'd be you know be pretty surprised if he won it. Where Michael Raylud never really done much over Ironman. so I think he wants to try to make it to Kona. Uh, just have to wait and see. field mm. side of things is also really exciting. One that um, I don't think Torsten sort of mentioned on here was. Uh, the day. Oh, where is she? I'm sure I saw her on here somewhere. I thought I saw Emma Palant on there somewhere.
0: Emma, let me look. Emma, find Emma. One match. Yes, she was stood down.
1: Oh, yeah. So she hasn't done nine man yet. So. Tell me about her. She's been an ITU long-distance champion or duathlon champion, Uh, but she could be the surprise package. Don't know what her swimming's like, uh, but she could be the real deal. Lucy Charles, after such a dominating performance in Kona last year, obviously didn't win, but went uh, pretty close to it. Well, not close, but, you know, she was the best of the rest. Uh, And Susie Cheatham, so some good girls, along with uh, Lindsay Corbin. So these championship fields are pulling up some... uh, some good athletes. Yeah,
0: so. and this is really great because years ago on the show, before they really introduced the championship concept, we were always like, we need more races outside of Kona. We well, were getting quality fields, and they've done it. You know, And you've got to give them credit for that because we are seeing four or five races a year now with not Kona fields, mm-hmm. but
1: next best thing, which is great. And what I like about it is with the current system, there's lots of points on offer. So if you have a good race here... You see it you're pretty locked and loaded and that's one of the things I don't like about the, sy- the new system you're going to uh, where it's going to be pretty much at these races you have to finish in the top 2 it'll be bloody hard to do that I agree with the concept that at other races, if you win an Ironman race you probably should be going to Kona mm. but I do think that they should have more weight on these championship races to try to have big strong fields um, that's just, just my opinion so I think that's going to be a step back when that happens but time will tell yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, John, we also have, there's an Iron Distance race happening in Taiwan.
1: Yeah, so I couldn't read too much about it, but we've got the Taitung City it's in triathlon and the Taitung Puyama. So good luck to everybody racing over there, Iron Distance race.
0: You've got possibility of chatting with John. Do you think we're going to try to hook up or yeah, are we giving that away I'll now? On,
1: uh, I think I'll be on. Yeah, on, good, on because
0: break. I want to kind of get this done before next Tuesday. So,
1: Okay, let's do a quick sponsor extreme endurance we pause and he had a cream egg <laughs> strict, <all gone. laughs> we pause all gone. I probably
0: pause for 10 seconds mm-hmm. demolished
1: demolished I've got sticky fingers my pad on my my MacBook is all going to get all sticky now uh, so joint 4 extreme endurance remember the primary code I am talk 20 if you haven't heard of joint 4 before it's got four fast acting natural ingredients for joint health, so helps provide relief from chronic, chronic joint discomfort, supports joint structure and tissues, all natural ingredients, extensive research on four primary ingredients. So if you've got achy joints or you know, just starting to struggle a little bit, age is starting to catch up with you, um, the Unique Formula has been helping to reduce discomfort in joints for 20 years. So... Get on it people, it's only $39.95 for a pack. Use the promo code IMTalk20 and you get a nice dis- uh, discount. So look, a lot of these Extreme Endurance products are there to try to help you manage your training, get through it, we talk about consistency a lot, and using these products it's gonna mean you can train more consistently, means your results are gonna, gonna you know, be improved through that consistency, so check it out, Joint 4. Yeah, definitely,
0: especially for the ageing athlete. Mm. You know, you know. Let's be honest. Impact on your body is demanding, and over time, if you are finding those joints a little bit tough, get this something like this can just help you kind of persevere longer, look after the joints, and because we also want to be able to move as long as possible. So it's just another little thing to help you on your journey.
1: Someone who probably should also be on this as well as is, is the next guest, Cam Worth. He did six Ironmans last year, and as you're going to hear, he's got similar plans, if not bigger, for this year. John, that
0: was a great lead-in. Well done.
1: Okay guys, um, we've got a man who was fairly prolific in his Ironman racing last year and a very early Ironman career on today's show. Last year I think he did, uh, I think it was six Ironmans, uh, including winning Ironman Wales, finishing second at Ironman Sweden, uh, also set a new bike course record at the Hawaii Ironman. So you probably saw him on the coverage over there. His name's Cam Wirth from Australia, so welcome along to the show, Cam.
2: Thanks, John. It's geez. It uh, makes me. You know, I feel tired just hearing about that.
1: That is but, uh, a, a lot of Ironmans. <laughs> a lot of Ironmans in oh, one day. B- <laughs> b- before we yeah. get onto that, what's tell us a bit about your background? Because um, you know, before before triathlon, you were you were cycling. And before that, you were, um, went to the Olympics for, for lightweight rowing. So tell us a bit about your your journey towards um, becoming a, a pro Ironman
2: uh yeah well uh, that's yeah started out in rowing um which you know was uh, just a, it was a sport i did at school and you know as a school kid always dreamed of going to you know the olympics and um and a bit like new zealand i guess Tasmania's uh pretty uh pretty good at rowing because i guess we're stuck on an island so we're always trying to figure out a way to get off it so um <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so I, I stuck with the rowing and um was able to make the olympic team just a couple of years out of school and you know but sort of I went you know although I'd done everything I needed to do to to make the team including winning the world championship the year before and under 23 level um I sort of you know realized I didn't really have a huge passion for rowing at all I just really wanted to go to the Olympics and you know really struggled when once I actually got to the games got pretty um you know sidetracked with everything else and 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 really underperformed and Sort of wanted to make amends and battled on for a couple of years and was, was fourth at the worlds a couple of years later and looking like sort of turning the corner and then uh, had tendonitis in my wrist and um, uh, needed some surgery and that uh, put me on the bike and ended up staying on the bike and um, yeah and I, I guess I, I picked up picked it up pretty quick and I'd, I'd done a little bit of it when I was when I was rowing I used to try and ride once or twice a week and particularly on saturdays towards the end of my rowing career i used to do these um you know which probably leads into the triathlons a little bit i used to do something called six hour saturdays and i'd row for you know an hour or so and do an hour in the in the gym and then whatever i needed to do to make up the time on the bike to make six hours is what i did and um, you know and i think that sort of foundation work you know i probably did that for about two to three years you know i obviously probably didn't notice it much in a seven minute rowing race but it's probably all these years later doing uh, ironmans that i've you know really found that i can handle a pretty high workload and um and uh you know being able to improve and and adapt pretty quickly to to a new sport so yeah cycling um sort of pursued that and you know wanted to be in the world tour made it to the world tour and i guess after a few years as a helper kind of felt like my um I didn't want my working life to be defined as a as a helper. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, I'd been to university and done finance and economics and I thought you know maybe it's time to go to Wall Street and get a real career and I took a year out and uh, Cannondale I still had a contract with Cannondale and so they they suggested that I just have a year and sort of maybe do what I be a a brand ambassador for them and keep myself active and might want to go back to cycling and um and that was when I discovered triathlon just more as a, a thing to keep fit and, and um and uh yeah 2 years down the line here we are so uh, <laughs> a third sport and um you know uh, I guess contemplating you know work life um was what made me realize how fortunate I am to be able to you know earn money doing sport yeah. uh, and you know it's the third sport now that I'm Earning a living, which is uh, you know, which is something I'm pretty pretty proud of. So I'm really excited about the year ahead
1: so just on, on the cycling thing because you know a lot of the the, the, tri- the audience of this interview are going to be be triathletes what's the sort of difference in terms of what you, your capacity to earn good money from say going from a, a continental team to actually making it onto a, a world tour team is it like light and day uh, or, or or if you're a lower level world tour team rider is it um are you, are you making you know really good money or is it just the top guys that are making it
2: no, you, you mean, once you're in the world tour, it's I guess the best way to compare it would probably, you know, Australian terms would be like the AFL. You know, you've got your really top earners, but even at the base level, you're you're still earning, you know, pretty good money and um, certainly in my case more than I could earn just trying to start a career in finance and that was mm. kind of what kept me here. In. Um, mm. in triathlon, it's been really interesting. This has sort of been the first year. I had a Cannondale contract for a couple of years at ran. Which was really fortunate because I was, you know, still on a cycling wage, basically doing yeah. triathlons, you know, and and finding my way. And um, this year, with uh, you know, I've obviously switched quite a lot of partners, and will, you know, that'll all become pretty apparent pretty soon. But um, you know, finding that, that's one thing that is quite difficult in triathlon, the, and and the the athletes, I don't think, have done themselves any favours in how they're earning an income um we've been really shocked by some of the you know <coughs> offers that received and and also offers that the top guys i mean that the best of the best are prepared to take and that you know will drive down the value for everyone and mm. that's really just you know really sad i mean i'm i'm in a very fortunate position I, i'm pretty confident that you know i'm i'm doing quite well in you know, in comparison and, and and probably better than, more than I deserve um, considering what much more established athletes in the sport are, are, are receiving at a guaranteed level. Mm. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'm, and it's one thing that I want to do is try and get together with those guys and, you know, have a bit of a chat about it and just basically, you know, set a bit more of a standard for, for themselves, um, because, uh, you know, because you know what they do, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm here now in Tenerife, uh, you know, at a, a Team Sky training camp and training with the guys and, you know, I'm riding with them all day and then, you know, swimming and running on top of it and, and they've got, you know, a huge amount of respect, uh, you know, for what I'm doing. they so interested and intrigued and so fascinated to hear that there's much better guys than me and, mm. and these guys are earning millions of dollars mm. and uh, these, these guys, I think, really undersell themselves um, and I think that's something that the sport really needs to look at and, and should look at not not because we deserve you know uh a lot of money or anything like that i mean i think it's a it's a it's a popular it's a popular um, endurance sport and um and i think these guys should be uh given the opportunity to be better ambassadors and be remunerate remunerated for it, uh in in uh in the process so
1: so it sounds like you're still kind of living the a little bit of a double life hanging out with the cyclists and and sort of in that world, but what's sort of a you know a typical day in the life of a of say a pro cyclist compared to to a triathlete um you know obviously with the cycling you got all the backup stuff so is it has it been quite a challenge for you making that transition from potentially being looked after a lot more to to sort of having to do everything yourself and is it drastically different or just? you know you're doing swimming and running
2: uh yeah i mean it it certainly it certainly (laughs) has been drastically different and probably the reason that i've gravitated back towards a cycling environment um yet i'm very passionate about you know being the best triathlete i can triathlete i can possibly be i mean i'm also you know 34 so i don't have time to you know learn years <laughs> that you know you used to sort of figure it all out i need to figure it out really quick and and start trying to maximize um how good i can be and so I'm, I'm trying to make things as familiar as possible but yeah i mean it's uh these you know the the difference is i mean just a you know a couple of couple of days ago i mean i got up and i was in the pool at at eight um you know we're in spain so we don't train early uh <laughs> You know, did did four k of the pool, and then and then was on the bike by nine thirty. Met the guys, you know, at uh, around ten thirty on the bike. We did, you know, four and a half hours, um, and uh, and then you know, and that was that was sort of the day. So I'd, I'd been up earlier and uh, and got that done, and then and then met them, and and then we all sort of you know had lunch and relaxed, and um, but then you know also we'll being you know having that structure i mean i the other on saturday we we rode and i um you know stopped about 15 16k from the hotel where there was a a good trail and and got off the tt bike and uh and the guys continued on on the on their road bikes back to the back to the hotel and i and i ran so
3: Mm.
2: um it's quite a fun um little project i guess for us for us all and uh I'm, yeah as you say I'm I'm still certainly probably a little bit more involved in the in the cycling life and haven't really had to deal with um you know the way most triathletes probably do it you know which is very much on their own and mm. having to organize all that so I'd I'd find that very difficult I don't have a lot of trouble motivating myself to train but I'm very good at procrastinating so I I'd, I'd probably <laughs> find I'd be having some very late nights finishing training so yeah. um <laughs> So it's good to have that uh, accountability. Um, that's for sure.
1: So when you when you lined up in twenty seventeen, um, what was your sort of plan and goals for the year? And, and was that plan, you know, doing all those six Ironmans? So what what were you sort of thinking at the start of the season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, so I started working with Tim Kerrison, who's um, obviously head of performance at Team Sky, and his big thing was, uh, you know, when they started the team, you know, with Bradley to win the tour. You know, the most important thing was, you know, going to the tour and you know sticking to a plan and seeing what happened and said that you know that was a real disaster that first tour um so but it, they learned so much which has led to the success that they've had since which has been pretty you know unbeatable and in my case he said you know the most, the most difficult thing we've got is i have to qualify for kona so with no points that was sort of hard so but he said it all you know we really need to just make it so we can get there and, and get some data and see what we're dealing with and so that was really the reason of all the racing. It was just having to get points. You know, I was just chasing points. And, mm. you know, fortunately, I think for years, having big volume days, I was actually getting stronger from racing. And, um, you know, some people were critical of the program I had, said I turned up to Kona Tide and this, that and the other and everything else. But the reality is every time I raced, I got better. And, and this year, I probably plan on doing even more. Mm. I'll probably do up to eight before Kona um I, I've even already done one in training this year um, yeah. so yeah uh, and I've run a marathon in training as well another day so you know I love long days um and I guess the big difference is that we'll we need to make sure that come Kona we've got those extra gears to you know really really put on a on, put it all together but mm-hmm. um we'll be using racing as a as a volume thing and and that was it last year you know it was just getting to Kona and I qualified for Kona and I was down to race Wales and, and Tim just said well you know just because you've done one good race that's try and do two and then I went and did Wales and won that so you know we kind of you know it showed that I was sort of starting to learn and then Kona was a bit of a step backwards but um you know again that was probably a bit like the Olympics so you know I was so fixated on just making it I got there and I probably let my guard down quite a bit and uh really didn't perform very well at all but um that's all right I'm I'm hungrier for it for this year and I'm in a good position with qualifying already. I've pretty much got enough points in the bank already. So, um, you know, we can make a real, real, real charge at Kona and and see if we can pull it off this time around. Mm.
1: So a lot of people ask questions about your your running um, and where that's at. Obviously, you know, all they're going to see is... You were first off the bike in Kona, or they'll look at your run splits, and and uh, and they'll be going, you know, it's it's not up to the same standard as as, as the top guys. So you've, you've got your run down to a three hours and thirty seven seconds that you did in Sweden. So I bet you probably were keen to go thirty eight seconds quicker. Um, but where, where's your sort of running pointing, and what do you think you're capable of in terms of uh, how things have progressed over the last sort of eighteen months?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it's all talk until you go out there and do it on the day. But, um, I mean, I just finished a track session and I ran my first, you know, sub three minute kilometer at the end of my 12 13k track session. I ran a 258, so um, nice that's uh, that's been a big progression. And I did another, I did two of them actually, I did one at three and, and one at 258. So I'm certainly improving, it's the thing I've worked my, the hardest on. I've I've run you know, I ran a two fifty seven marathon at altitude just in training, and it wasn't planned. I said to Tim, you know, he said I have a long, you know, we've had a long run, and I said I might do a really long run, and he he told me not to ride, you know, run for twelve hours like I rode my bike with Richie Port for twelve hours one day, but um, mm-hmm. I said <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of had in the back of my mind that uh, I'd try and run a marathon, and and did that at altitude, so I felt pretty comfortable, and um, you know, I ran a a one seventeen. Uh, half half marathon the other day off the bike after four and a half hours with Garant Thomas on the time trial bike we did a two hour TT interval at 360 watts so mm. I was far from fresh um mm. so you know I think I'm I'm certainly getting there in training and um and that's uh I haven't obviously done it in racing yet but um you know the more I can do it the more rudimentary it will come in be, become in training and. And, uh, you know, South Africa is a great test for me. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously I'm there to see how quick I can, I can run. Um, I know I can ride all right. And, um, I'm certainly stronger than I was last year. Um, so, um, on the bike. Um, mm-hmm. so, but I won't be, I won't be. And, and another thing that people I find fascinating, they think that I just go as hard as I can on the bike. I mean, it's, it's rubbish. I think people don't give me the much uh, respect, um, for, you know, what I've done at, you know, on an athletic level, I mm. mean, you don't go to a world championship with any other ambition than to win,
3: mm.
2: uh, so yeah, I wasn't there, to, I couldn't care less about coming second, or third, or fifth, or seventh, or fifteenth, or twentieth, or whatever, once you haven't won, you haven't, you know, you're not winning, so it doesn't matter, mm. uh, so I put myself in a position on that bike to win the race, and once I got on the run, I thought, okay, I'm in a really good position, I felt really good, and really fresh and um you know uh, sort of started to then get too clever and 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 went out running and thought I was running too fast kept trying to back it off kept trying to back it off and you know my cadence was way off and and I I just fell apart and then it just all fell apart once I was out of the top four or five I just thought I will it's not gonna happen for me and and then I just you know just got myself to the finish as, as sort of efficiently as possible without wasting too much energy and um I I should have just kept the same mentality on the bike. I should have just gone for it until Mm. I couldn't go anymore, you know, Mm. the way Lionel did. Um, and, uh, and that, that really disappoints me and it's, it's interesting that people are quick to say
3: that
2: (laughs) Mm. I'm there to ride fast. You know, There was no vested interest in me riding fast. I had no contracts with any company at all out of choice uh, to put myself in the position I'm in now. Um, so I didn't earn a dime from that. And, uh, I was there to win the race, and um you know we've got the we've got that data now i mean i'm pretty i you know at the end of the day i 've led Kona not many yeah. athletes have even done that to the run and i've done it i've been on the run quicker than anyone has ever been onto the run course, <laughs> so <laughs> my swim bike time is quicker than anyone's ever been out there by quite a long way, so you know if I can put together a, a modest marathon then um you know that you know, a good chance that in years to come i can hopefully help push the sport and and potentially you know see the the times you know certainly break the eight hour barrier and who knows how low they'll go but i think with lionel and um yeah you know, yarn you know obviously he's not going to lay down and let other people take over he's going to come back with a vengeance and that's really exciting I, I love the fact that he races he really i knew that i knew that he looked he didn't look good on the bike he looked you know looked like he was in real trouble halfway through the bike and that was why i chose to push on the bike where i did because i wanted to make him suffer um but he responded he he dug deep he tried to hang in there he tried to stay in the race you know he's a great racer and of course sebi you know real champion and um you know someone i've really admired and watched over the years and you know i can't wait to get her back out there with those guys so um
1: yeah, it's was, exciting. Was there much that sort of surprised you about Kona in terms of? Um, I know the conditions, you know, were really good last year. It was still a bit, bit windy and stuff. But was was there much that that surprised you um, when you're out there on the day, or was it pretty much what you expected? And I guess I was reading, you know, skim read through your blog, and I think it sounded like one of your main issues was you lost your nutrition fairly early in the ride. Um, but was there anything else during the race going? Geez, I didn't didn't quite expect that, or or, what, or did expectations sort of meet reality?
2: um yeah i was surprised what, what, to be honest i mean the nutrition thing yeah i could say that but i mean you've got to learn to deal with that stuff and did it make any difference i don't know i felt great on the bike so potentially not um you know i, I was able to grab some coke and stuff on the side of the road and, mm. um you know, fueled up pretty well before the race but the only thing that surprised me i guess was how tired the front pack looked when we caught them i mean we'd ridden 6 minutes out of them in 80k and they looked terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a real shock i i would have thought that to give up a 6 minute lead they would have been just up there having smoking cigars mm. uh, looking as cool as cucumbers and and they looked like i mean they looked really ragged you know i mean obviously patrick was riding within himself and you know patrick ran his own race and 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 ended up ended up winning on the day um but he you know obviously he was the only one that sort of stood up I guess Dave McNamee sort of came from the bleachers as well which was a great performance by him great run um but uh you know it, that that was a real shock and and then you know I guess I was also disappointed to see okay I I was obviously disappointed for myself but I, I you know I can I can cop that on the chin I, I know I'm not at the level of those top guys yet but um I would have loved to have seen Lionel or, or Sebi finish that off, or Yarn, you know, mm. um, and go really fast. So I was really disappointed that, you know, I didn't. We didn't see a seven fifty, you know, mm. from Lionel. I mean, he's run runner, he's ridden the same speed as me in Arizona last year or year before, and and then run a two forty. So, mm. you know, Lionel actually made a big step. He actually, in my eyes, went backwards, which mm. was disappointing. Um, <laughs> in Kona, running running what he did, I I would have thought. You know, I ran, I rode much harder on the bike that day in Arizona uh, where he held me, and then he ran a 240. than I did in Kona, and he ran a 252. So, mm. you know, and same with Sebi. I was I was quite shocked that he wasn't able to run quick. I would have just loved to have seen him. I mean, he only he just had to do close to his PB, and he could have really, you know, moved the sport. And same with Yarn, you know, run a 240 or two, 245 or something would have been just fantastic for the sport. Um, but... um so I guess that shocked me that, uh, people say the conditions were this that and the other and it's like well you know okay fair enough well then why did all those guys fall apart riding that pace so mm. it can't have been that easy <laughs> yeah. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. so so this year you know you, you said you've got lots on the agenda um, first up Ironman South Africa as you said you know you've got some really good points in the bank from winning Wales so you really probably only need you know one result and you're, and you're pretty much there so um, how much of your season have you laid out or can you or can you not say exactly where where you're you plan to be at the stage?
2: Yeah, no, I, I've we've we've laid it out pretty well um, leading up to Kona and, and yeah, there's a, a lot of racing. I'll be based in, uh, you know, in, in Nice or around Monaco. Um, the team's got a base there so, you know, the support is you know, uh, mechanics and bikes and food and you know, massage and, you know, and training and everything right there and obviously lots of great training partners. There's also Richie Ports there from Tassie, my mate so I'll be down there. Um, but uh, I'll do South Africa, uh, which is obviously only a couple of weeks away. And then a and then, uh, pretty quick turn, I'll come back here to Tenerife, do another camp with the team uh, in, in May, and then just jump on the jump on a rock hopper and, and go over and do Lanzarote uh, to finish a training block. I mean, these, these races aren't going to be objectives. It's more just a training day. Um, mm. And the reason is, you know, I did one in Big Bear, recently and the, the most difficulty I had was obviously fuel you know I'm stopping at gas stations to mm. get to get water and coke and all that and I said to Tim afterwards I said far out, I'd prefer to just do a race he said well mm. that's that's exactly what I was hoping you'd say mm. um so to me doing a race doesn't seem like a big deal anymore so it'll be Lanza uh, the week after that I'll probably go to I'll do Venice um because it's you know close to Pinarello and um uh, castelli cask um you know some of the partners we're working with and uh and then uh i think there's a little bit of a break few weeks and then it's nice uh which is something a race i probably want to do quite well in and uh, to sort of finish a training block and then have a little bit of a rest for a week and uh go and do roth which i'm really excited about nice, yeah. um, so see how fast i can uh i can go there yeah. um and then uh probably just have a bit of a bit of downtime and and then just sort of sort of start things up again and do uh um zurich as yeah. uh, another bit of a training run. I did that as a training race last year before doing a two week camp with chris in the alps and and that tend seemed to get me going pretty well, so we'll stick with that routine um because it sort of fits in at the end of the tour de france and um and then uh yeah, and then it'll be a bit of a break, a good five week block where we can do some good training and um and go to Wales again, try and defend the title there and, and use that as another good solid hit out, um before uh before Kona. All all things going well. So
1: that's the that's the plan there's a full-on season you've talked about the team a lot in terms of riding with with sky and stuff what's their motivation to have you around you know they've obviously got a big roster and got lots of strong riders and stuff so are are you sort of part of the team or just a training partner or what what's in it for them
2: yeah well yeah i mean i am i'm 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 just a training partner uh for the guys i guess uh, particularly for last year for Chris, uh, did we did quite a few camps together, one in Australia in the year, one here in Tenerife, and then obviously the probably the most important one was this, the two of us between uh, the Tour and, and the Vuelta. Um, mm. So, I've already done one this year, G with Geraint Thomas and I, we had three weeks in LA, I'm now here, so yeah, they, they like having me, particularly with Chris or with, with, with Geraint. Um, those guys tend to do pretty big volume, and and uh tim obviously coaches all three of us so uh tim i think feels that me being there gives them just a little bit of accountability that they need obviously without it being a threatening presence Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not trying to race them. i'm not trying to take their spot Mm
3: -hmm. um
2: and and i think we help each other uh so you know it's it's um you know in la tim had us doing you know these two-hour time trial intervals where you know, Geraint, it's we'd, we'd call it draft legal. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd try and sit 12 to 20 meters behind him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we were doing 45K an hour up and down the PCH for two hours. And then, you know, I was able to go and run half marathons. So, you know, you just, it's pretty hard to find training partners that can do, to mm. do that with you in training twice a week. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's a huge benefit for me. And, and obviously Geraint was going, you know, as quick as sort of he could because he didn't, he certainly didn't want me passing him, and he probably preferred to drop me. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's I think it's just really good uh, a really good balance there that Tim's developed, um, and the guys seem to, you know, enjoy having me around. They give me a pretty hard time and make fun of me, like they make fun of triathletes. But um, you know, they're also starting to have a fair bit of appreciation. You know, when I explain how much better you know those top guys are than me, mm. they're really shocked. Mm. and also you know most of them now are either swimming or running as cross training which is really interesting and and lo- you know enjoy telling me about how that's been going for them and so um yeah so that's that's the relationship and i've obviously got all the same sponsors now and um so yeah it's i guess a bit of a side project you know for more for tim Garrison for the for the coach and um and now also their their technical partners and yeah, we'll see how that evolves going forward. But, um, you know, it's a pretty bit of a – we've got a pretty long-term commitment there, and it's really exciting.
1: Cool. A couple of questions, final questions that we always ask uh, some of our guests. Um, do you wax or shave your legs? Uh,
2: shave. Oh, I shave. Wish I, I wish I'd wax. I'm too disorganised again for, for that. I keep forgetting, and then, you know, on last minute, I'm like, oh, bugger, I've got to pull out the maxi. <laughs>
1: Uh, the second one is do you use any facial moisturiser products
2: uh, no no no, no I've given up on that since starting triathlon when you uh, need to shower a few times a day
1: so. and the, the final yeah. one would be um, and, and this still might be a bit of a, an unknown for you if you were to just sort of ditch the cycling for a bit and just say spend six months training for a, for a fresh marathon what do, you, what do you think you might be able to bang out two thirty four two thirty four i reckon you can go quicker than that with a bit of bit of training but that's <laughs> that's good excellent so um yeah. we've heard all about what your plans after the season if people people want to follow you and stuff do you do much on the the social media side of thing websites or any, anything else you want to promote or get out there
2: no i mean I, I try to um just what i have to for sponsor things but um you know the thing i really enjoy the most is my blog and i try and you know it's pretty authentic and uh i haven't been very good at sort of keeping up to date with that but um a lot of that's been just getting used to a new sport and traveling here there and everywhere but you know going forward i really want to get back on top of that i used to do it basically every day i'd race on the road and i'd uh, love to at least get that up and running with a bit more stuff about training in the camps and what's going on and um yeah, so just keep an eye out for that, and uh, I'll do my best to uh, put some more stuff on it as much as I possibly can.
1: Awesome! Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how you unfolds. We'll 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 be over in Rote podcasting for over there, Ann and Conus. So uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you there and um, and see some uh, some some time on the podium at those big races. <laughs> That's
2: the plan. That's the plan. Thanks very much.
0: John did the interview. So your thoughts?
1: Um, I'm somewhat surprised. That he said we did six Ironmans last year and this year he's planning on doing eight. Uh, and what's and the theory? Why? Well, as, as everybody's just heard in the interview, yeah. <laughs> um, it just training. They're big training days. A lot of them will be, but still running that many marathons in a season. Wonder if that's it. May have a great resp- response for his Kona if that's that, that. And that is what his ultimate goal is. Um, it seems a little bit much. Okay. Um, yep. And I would have thought my opinion, he'd be better off doing some more halves and doing some harder running through there. Uh, I think it'd probably possibly be a slightly less... I know you've got to risk things, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. It worked pretty well for him last year, but yeah, he's got to be able to run well. We know he can bike well, he'll swim well, but can he pull off a 255? And if he can, he could potentially do a Norman Stadler-type thing uh, in terms of yeah winning that race totally, yeah. or, or sort of being on the podium. Last year he had... A, issues and really faded on the run um look I, I know a lot of people as well will be going why didn't john ask about drugs and he's right he's riding with uh, you know with the team sky and there's all the controversy around them i just couldn't i just didn't want to go down that pathway he didn't say he didn't want to talk about it i didn't ask those questions yep. didn't preempt it just so i'm going to focus on triathlon and what he's trying to achieve Okay, fair enough.
0: Uh, John, we've got an interview and it's actually brought by Tanya Pora. So if, if you're a new listener to the show, Tanya Pora has actually been uh, a sponsor of the show in the
1: past. But on on our Legends it. of Triathlon yeah. podcast. If you haven't heard about it, it's an amazing resort uh, in Thailand down by Phuket. The facilities, the people just get blown away when we uh, when they go over there and we just get so much positive feedback. You go onto their homepage and you get this overview of the facility there with the outdoor pools, the, uh, the running tracks, but then it's all the little extra things that they've got going on there and, and you're going to hear from Colin, the food is fantastic, you've got all the support you need in terms of you know gym facilities, um, nutritionists, everything you're going to need is all in one spot. And the main thing with Thailand is it's... it's Bit unique, you know. You're oh, going to go over yeah. there, and you're going to get an experience. Oh, but it's, it's gonna be awesome! Well, I love going on. to Thailand. But you've got all the support systems in place that you can basically go over there and focus on your training. And if you've got a partner or family or anything like that, there's lots going on in the the sort of surrounding areas where they can go off and do their other stuff while you train. So, as I said, I'm going earlier in the show. I'm trying to organise a camp over there. Uh, but if you want to go over there. Cheapest chips, Thailand is that's one of the beauties of Asia, it's really cheap, you can go and stay at this beautiful facility for like a 100 bucks US a day and you've got a nice hotel room, you've got breakfast included and you've got access to the facilities, they've got lots of training groups. So if you do want to go somewhere different or if you're trying to adapt for Kona or a hot race, especially if you're coming from a cool climate, Go check it out at tanyapora.com. Yeah, and you
0: know what, John? Like on Yesterday morning, I had to coach, and normally it's you know public holiday, so I kind of got up early when normally I'd be sleeping in. And I got up early, and then I thought, oh, I'll go for a run after coaching and stuff, and I went for a run and stuff. And on a day off, even on holiday, I like to exercise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's nice to go on holidays, but it's actually nice to get up and do some exercise in a cool facility like this. Mm-hmm. And you could go to Tanyapora for a family holiday, but you've got these cool facilities where you can do some really cool workouts, get up in the morning, do some stuff. Have your holiday in the afternoon, and you know, it's just it's such a cool place. So, and so 2019, we're looking at doing camp.
1: Yeah, that's the idea, and I'm trying to tie it in with a race um, as well. So, it's not going to be the November sort of zone where they have uh, the Laguna Phuket Triathlon down there. Uh, there's another race I'm sort of targeting, but they're being a little bit slack at getting back to me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to try to lock it in, and uh, it's going to be a camp for, for all abilities, and uh, we'll try to tie in a race. Yeah, so check it out, Tanya
0: Poor. If you are thinking of doing a holiday with something a little bit different, Check it out, it's pretty great And it's a good location Because it's kind of central To lots of places in the world Okay John, so we've got an interview coming up And here comes Colin Norris
1: Okay, guys. Um, we have a variety of athletes on the show. Some of which you'll know lots about, others you'll know not so much about. And uh, today we're going to find out a bit more about uh, a seventy-point-three athlete it's called Colin Norris. He is another one coming out of the, the you know the, the juggernaut of UK triathlon, um, but focusing on the seventy-point-three distance. So, and he's part of the ITZU Pro Team. So, welcome along to the show, Colin.
4: Thanks very much John.
1: T- tell us a bit about yourself in terms of um your background. I know your first triathlon was back in about 2011 and you then you ended up racing pros on the sort of the pro division by 2015. So tell us a bit about your background before um before triathlon.
4: Yeah, sure. Um so my background's actually in uh, running, uh, mainly uh track and cross country running. Um, and I started running pretty young actually, sort of 10 11. <laughs> Um <laughs> And, um, mainly, you know, track meets, um, cross country races, things like that. But also, um, I was very lucky to be, um, where I lived was very close to a really good team, um, called Blackheath Harriers, pretty, um, I guess pretty famous in the UK, mm. um, as being a great riding club. Um, where I live was only a couple of miles down the road. So I think, um, yeah, that was certainly a, a lucky circumstance there and, I ran, I guess, to, to quite a high level until the age of, sort of seventeen. Um, um, Around nationally, and uh, one of the biggest races I think, when you're kind of at that age, was the the mini marathon, which is basically the London Marathon for kids, which mm. I won mm. um, as a kid. Um, and I wouldn't say kind of uh, we did a lot of structured training. It was kind of, you know, track Tuesday, track Thursday, race Saturday, yeah. um, every week. So. Um, but yeah, I just I really enjoyed it and I was I always kind of took to more individual sports um uh as opposed to football primarily because my uh, my crap coordination. Um <laughs> but um but so yeah and then I guess from the ages sort of seventeen, eighteen, um I think I got a couple of I can't exactly how I remember how I sort of stopped running, but I think combination of things really, um a couple of injuries Um, and then just other things came into my life, (laughs) probably girls and going out and, uh, university and things like that. And, And then I didn't really do any sort of structured sport until the age of sort of 24. Um, so I had about, you know, I don't know, seven or eight years of not doing a lot in terms of, uh, in terms of sport. I mean, I played a bit of hockey and rugby, but not to any, any, any standard. Um, and Uh, Yeah, that's kind of the background. And then, as you said, in 2011, um, I was working uh, as a broker in the city. Um, I live in London, Um, and when I was at uni, I I was studying economics. So the kind of natural thing to do was was to go in the city and earn loads of money. (laughs) Um, And I kind of got there and realised after a few years that you know it wasn't really me, Um, and I was struggling certainly to, I suppose, like most people, to be in an office. You know, ten ten, twelve hours a day. Yeah. Um and to kind of get a frustration out, I got back into running and did a couple of marathons. Um and and then yeah, I, I sort of enlisted in a triathlon, um, trained for a few months, didn't really know what I was doing, uh, and then finished second in the in the London triathlon, which is which is quite a big one over here. Mm. Um and then I then I, I still didn't think, you know, about taking it seriously by then. I was just kind of like just enjoying it and and uh and training. Um, and then it kind of came, went from there, really.
1: Um, and I, I did notice that one of your claims to fame was uh, you've you've raced Mo Farah a bit in running. Was that was that in your younger days? Yeah, or, and and, yeah, and it was, was, in he, was he was he that good that back then?
4: <laughs> yeah, he he was quite phenomenal actually. And um, you know, whilst I'd finished second to him on a couple of occasions, he was certainly. Way ahead, <laughs> um, and uh, we have this thing called the London Youth Games, and and there's kind of local events and cross countries. And he he was always a kind of uh, a phenomenal talent. Um, but you never, you know, you, you never know if you can combine the talent with the work and the and the circumstance. But obviously, he's managed to achieve great things on yeah. the back of that. Um, but yeah, it was nice actually looking back, thinking that you know he won the London Mini Marathon as well. Yeah, um, kind of, I think it was a year before me, so. Um, it's quite nice to be in the same sentence as him, even though on a completely different level.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so how did triathlon progress? You know, you get second at the first um, first triathlon you've you've done, and a, and a big one at that. Um, how did you sort of progress uh, into the pro ranks? Was it, and and are you these days racing as a as a sort of a full time pro, or is it a part time gig? Where are you how has it progressed, and, and where are you at now?
4: Yeah, sure. So after 2011, I think that was the only try I did that year, actually. I, I carried on. I did the Amsterdam Marathon later in the year. And then I decided at the end of that season in 2011 that I would just focus on, well, start started in duathlon, actually, um, even though I swam for a few years as a kid. Um, and then the following year, I qualified for the world champs uh, age group uh, in duathlon and triathlon. Uh, and I was sixth in the in the triathlon world champs, twenty five, twenty nine. Mm. And then the year after that, third in the um, twenty five, twenty nine triathlon mm. um, champs. And then it was kind of on the back of that, thinking I was still working, obviously as a, as a full time at a full time job. Then working probably maybe fifty, maybe sixty hours a week. Mm. So I, I was kind of thinking then maybe I should take this more seriously, seeing as I'm you know, training as much as I can, and mm. I wasn't really enjoying my day job. So. I actually quit my um, quit my job. Um, I was working for um, quite a big company at the time and I had a lot of security and was getting paid quite well. But I kind of decided quite quickly and perhaps quite rashly um, to quit my job um, and just move to Lanzarote for nine months. <laughs> As you do. And, uh, and just give it a crack. Um, so yeah, I, I, I went from kind of yeah, quite a nice, quite a nice lifestyle and some good money to absolutely nothing. Um, and I saved a little bit of money, but that ran out pretty quickly. Once you start racing around Europe, um, mm. <laughs> it didn't last long. So, yeah, I moved to Lanzarote and the guy that was coaching me at the time, um, a guy called Trevor Simmons, who uh, who now runs a, a massage clinic with his wife, Lucy, on, on Lanzarote. Um, he was the only guy I knew there, actually. Um, mm. So... Especially being from London, like used to being very busy and lots of people around, it was pretty difficult initially moving into this tiny little fishing village and, and just, um, yeah, and just kind of going into the unknown. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of moved to Lanzarote in I think, 2013. Um, and then just started, well, we, we, he was, uh, Trevor was coaching me. Um, but we did all sorts of kind of left field training, as we'd say, <laughs> um, and it was good fun and I had some good results. I finished as a top age group in a couple of 70.3s, but equally I had some pretty terrible results, just kind of inexperienced and making loads of mistakes. But, um, it was, it was, it was a cool experience and I met some really cool people. So, but then obviously that kind of ended and I came back to London with no money. Um, mm. And then i then I did various jobs, anything from kind of rooftop cinemas to shoe shops and restaurants and bars and things like that. So I kind of went to being back to being a student mm. <laughs> that had been years previous um, and then I just kind of was trying to find any way I could to i guess to fund uh, the triathlon and then I eventually started coaching, which I'd always done as a kind of um, i guess an informal gig. Um, but I, I decided that, you know, I could, you know, make a living really, you know, out of coaching. Well and not I didn't think initially, but I, I started um taking on some athletes and you know, it was going really well and I was really enjoying it. Um so on the back of that really, um yeah, I started started a coaching business and I was mainly coaching people who, you know, I'd kind of been in a similar circumstance too, you know, busy, stressful, city job. Um, working all the hours uh, under the sun, and and really creating plans for people that you know didn't have a lot of time but were sort of highly motivated to achieve um, to achieve their goals. So um, so yeah, on the back of that, I kind of built a coaching business, um, which now kind of pays for pay well pays for me to do the sport. Um, but I'm still also working part time. Mm-hmm. Um, I work part time for a startup company as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the centre of London um, and, I, and I race as a pro so a few things I guess a few things going on but um, my real kind of ambition really I mean last year um, I had some I guess knocking on the door results you know um, a couple of minutes away from podiums or a minute away from a podium on 70.3 and um, some fast run splits I had the fastest run split on three or four 70.3s um managed to run a 110 or yeah 110 111 Mm -hmm. so yeah i had a couple of results that made me think you know what if i can put some more energy into this get some more support um you know i can i can make the podium and and perhaps even better
1: it must be bloody hard to get support in in the UK when you're, you know, at the moment you're sort of mainly finishing in those sort of 5th through 10th at 70.3 yeah. races and there's so many other guys out there at, at all distances whether it be short course or a Olymp- uh, short course or, or Ironman. It must be pretty hard to sort of put your hand up and say uh, work with me um <laughs> when when there's you know loads of other dudes out there that are are getting better results on on paper so how have you sort of tried to do that is it, have you tried to structure it slightly differently um or are you still just uh, trying to find your way
4: yeah it's it's so true i mean it's um you know it tends to be the same few guys winning all the races especially in europe uh, and we all know you know who who they are um and i think it's only when you start training with some of the best guys in the world you realize you know, the the small percentage differences that, that take years to get. You know, I, I've been doing the sport, you know, five, six years seriously. Um, but some of the guys that are winning these races have been doing it 10, 15 years. And it's hard to, you know, to close that gap. Um, and it is only a kind of less than a 1% gap. But that, that difference is the difference between, you know, winning and coming sixth or seventh, which is, you know, not exactly what sponsors want. So it's as I'm sure you well know it's it's um I th- well the the kind of way I'm trying to attack it is to create a a business around myself that can support me so i can so I can allow myself the time to get as good as i I think I can be mm-hmm. um and that's kind of how I've done it in the past you know I think you know for people in a similar circumstance to myself I think it's it's perhaps quite naive to think that you know. You can just survive off, you know, prize money or um, on the odd sponsor here and there. But, you know, that's going to come and go. And I think if you want to be consistently good and, and perform over years, um, which I think is what it takes to, to get to the top level, I think you need to perhaps create something or have a side gig or a business that you can, you know, rely on that gives you the flexibility um, to, um, to have that financial support. Because I think, you know, I mean, any, you know, you can have all the athletic talent in the world, but if you don't have the financial support, you, you just simply can't do the sport. And, you know, which perhaps is not so much true, say, for running, where you just need a pair of shoes. But, you know, as we all know, triathlon is uh extremely expensive sport. And um, to travel around the world with a bike and not work, you know, you need significant cash behind you. Um, if not, a, you know, parents that can give you money, which, you know, which I haven't got. So... I think it's. Damn those to being parents independent. go What's <laughs> that? Damn parents. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Um, yo, my mum's a hairdresser, so I don't think she's got much spare cash to give me for, <laughs> for cycling. But you know, I, I I think you know it's. I think for me, I felt a lot more secure once I've been independent. You know, and and once you kind of got that, you know that you know you you can buy some time, and you know it gives you enough time to to get to the level you need to be in. Um, you know, and la- last year, you know, I was very lucky, and I, I kind of, two- actually, sorry, two years ago, um, when I raced out in in Lanzarote, um, I met uh, Luke Van Lierd, mm-hmm. um who who now coaches me and and coaches the the Itsu team, um, and he's been fantastic, in kind of backing me, and-, and really, you know, he he's very big on um, the science element of of sport and triathlon, and. You know, we do frequent lactate testing with him, and and I think from early on he he spotted my potential, uh, and really just told me that you know it's going to take some time to build the engine, as it mm-hmm. were, um, and I think that's kind of given me the faith to to think that you know I I can, um, you know I can make a living out of the sport and I can get to the top level. It's just going to take a bit of time. <laughs> so tell
1: us a bit about the, uh, the, the Itsu yeah. team. Um I wasn't sure whether it was ITZU or Itsu or how you how you pronounce it. So tell us a bit about this this team and um what it sort of does for you as an athlete. Is it more just a support system? Is it actually just loads of sponsors? How much independence have you got and all that sort of stuff?
4: Yeah, so you know, itsu team is um well, it's been going for a couple of years now. Um and the team manager is, is a chap called uh, Kuhn Jansen, um, and he enlisted the help of uh, Luke Van Lierd who, um, who obviously is you know a two-time Hawaii winner and mm. uh, champion athlete, and you know is a very well-renowned coach as well. Uh, and and Kune Janssen is the one of the CEOs of ITSU, which is a, a Belgium team, sorry, a Belgium company, um, and they have there are people companies so they have um cleaning business facilities businesses recruitment businesses that kind of thing in, in belgium and he's he's a very good age group athlete he he, uh, he qualified for the world champs this year and he's very passionate about the sport of triathlon um and he's been successful in getting together um some great athletes um from belgium but also from overseas and spain and such as Sleta Castro, and we've now got Romain Guillam, who's obviously won multiple mm. Ironmans uh, from France um, as well, and, and he um, has got together this, this team um, which is supported. The main sponsor is ITSU. Um, we then have other sponsors such as um, Chain Tech, uh, Endless Pools, BioRacer, uh, Ridley, um, amongst others. So We've we've got some fantastic sponsors. Uh, a lot of them are Belgium, mm. but some of the best equipment and team. And what I get from the team is um, full support in terms of uh, transport, uh, accommodation, uh, kit, training camps. We're sponsored by Club Le Santa, so um, we have the training camps in Club Le Santa. Um, so really, you know, major support in terms of you know financially um that you know we we get a time trial bike road bike um mountain bike mm. wetsuits you know the all the gear really um which which you can really only dream about and mm. um so the support we've we've been got from the team and it's been phenomenal you know we've even got a chance to go to the the wind tunnels in Flanders um you know and have our own speed suits made for us you know it's it, to be honest that the support has been you know world class And you know, whilst some of the guys on the team are on salaries, um, some of us are on expenses. um, That that's the current situation. So, um, so yeah. So really, the idea of the team is is to get us on the podiums of of some of the biggest races in the world. Um, And whilst some of us are still working um, part time, such as myself and another chap, uh, Ruben and Amber, um, there is some full time athletes on the team, such as you know Roman, Kenneth, Saleta
1: Etc. So, guys, if you want to check out that team, it's itsu-tri-team com. So, check out, check them out. So, so, your, your, what's your plan for this year in terms of uh, any big goals or, or or your main sort of targeted races?
4: Yes, for- man, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to seventy point three this year, mm-hmm. um, and I'll race. Um, Challenge, um, challenge Lisbon in May, um, 70.3 Luxembourg, then, then Sweden, um, Vici and Cascais, uh, Almira, uh, and Lanzarote, if I've got any steam left. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so six or seven, 70.3, um, this year. Um, and I think that the main goal for me really, I'd, I'd like to really target Sweden um and Lanzarote if I can. Yeah. Um I think that the races suit me and I think in the past I've picked races that, you know, are close to home in the UK. Um, mainly for kind of financial reasons. Um, just because they're easy to get to and we're lucky to have quite a lot of races at home. But I don't think they necessarily suit me as an athlete. Um I'm quite a, a bigger a slightly bigger athlete if you compare myself to, to the other guys and twisty turny up and down courses aren't necessarily the best for me so mm. i've tried to pick races this year that that suit me um suit my you know physicality and um give me the best chance to to get on the podium
1: mm. so you uh, we were talking before we came on here you've been out in tanyapura um in the last week or so um what what led you to actually get over there to tanyapura um and just tell us about what your sort of Expectations were before going, and, and how that sort of met with reality.
4: Yeah, good question. Um, it's actually by mistake, actually, where I ended up in, uh, in in Tanyapura. Um I was going to going out for a friend's wedding, and I, I needed a, you know, four or five days to train um, before flying out to the wedding. So, um, you know, I I only I only knew one person actually that had been there and, and was, was highly recommended. So. You know, so I went along, and you know, we're, we're, as I said, we're lucky enough to get sponsored by um, by Club La Santa in uh, in Europe or in in Lanzarote. Um, so you know, we, we we have the we have access to the, the great facilities there, and it was interesting to see uh, Tanya and you know, you kind of sublimely compare it, and I think it's you know, I certainly think it's a world class facility for training. Um, you know, the pools are you know immaculate. Um, the food is is extremely good as well um and yeah i was I was very impressed by you know the facilities they had they had full spin rooms um trainers ability to go out on good bike rides and run routes and um the track as well so you know i certainly recommend that you know if, if people are in the um in the area or you know it's a, I guess it's a kind of midway house between between europe and, uh, and australia and new zealand mm. um you know I, I would certainly recommend um certainly recommend going out there and i think also you know if you are going out there with uh um with a partner who's i guess less inclined to do so much so much exercise mm. you know it's close to some really good beaches as well mm. um and I, I was kind of mentioning it to them as well that you know i think that's a good selling point as well some of the best beaches on phuket are in the north west of the island which is you know 15 20 minute drive from from the resort so um i think it's in a great location and you know it's just 15 minutes from the airport so it's not um it's not hard to get to at all
1: Mm. um in terms of uh adaptation obviously you know going from probably the uk winter over there um we we go from the nz summer over to, to kona and it normally takes a couple of days um for us to sort of Get you know, get at least a little bit used to the heat. How how long were you there, and um, and how long did it take you to sort of get to get to grips with the heat?
4: Yeah, good question. I mean, you, it's it's never so much of an issue on you know, obviously, swimming and, and on the bike, but it's it's the running that you really feel it. And I think, you know, the first run I went out, um, you know, I, I went out about sort of nine in the morning, and probably I should have gone out at six in the morning because, <laughs> you know, by that time it's you know in the mid thirties and is high, so. I certainly think it took me five or six runs before I started thinking, you know, okay, it's not, it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, and, and you can breathe, but yeah, you certainly have to dial back the pace, um, a bit. And, uh, and it kind of gave me more, um, more respect for, for athletes out in Kona. And, and when you look at the kind of race results in Asia in particular, you always look at the run times, so you think, Oh, it's a bit slow, but
3: yeah,
4: but actually, I mean, it's a total different kettle of fish, you know, running, um, running over here when it's sort of temperate, 10, 12 degrees is, is ideal. But, you know, when you get in the thirties and the humidity high, it's, yeah, it's, it's just hard to cool the body and keep, keep, keep your kind of core temperature down. Um, you just get hotter and hotter. So. Yeah, that was certainly a challenge.
1: And um, in terms of the riding, I've done, um, it was many years ago, but I've done a few rides over there. It was fantastic riding. It was some great hills. So how much, um, how much riding did you get out there and, um, and what, what can people sort of expect from the riding um, in terms of what they might be used to back home? You know, if you're riding in places where there's loads of traffic and, and things like that, you know, how, how was the riding?
4: yeah it was interesting actually. I think that was um, one of the one of the more interesting things I did there because um you have expectations as you say, and you know it 's only until you get on the road that you you realize what it 's like and I was impressed actually by the road quality um, you know it's better than a lot of the u k roads I have mm. to say um, so that that was really nice and the roads were smooth and actually on although we had to go on some of the main roads um, that were quite busy with traffic they they have a, I guess, a hard shoulder, um, like three or four meters of the road that's kind of with a white line. So you know, there was a lot of respect from uh, from the lorries and and cars, etc. So yeah, I was I was quite impressed from that. And then obviously the, you know, once we got off the main roads, um, the countryside is just really lush um, and really beautiful, quiet roads. And um, yeah, just it's different and it's you know it's nice. I think a lot of People from, especially the UK, they might go to, you know, Mallorca or the Canary Islands, and, you know, this is certainly a more, you know, exotic alternative, but mm. it's, you know, it's, it's different in that sense, and, you know, it's interesting.
1: I'm glad to hear the food's good as well, because that's often a challenge when you go to different locations. Um, but the food was, was it, you said it was fantastic, was it more sort of Asian-style food, or, or could you pretty much get, get what you wanted?
4: No, you, you could pretty much get what you wanted in it. And I kind of have to say that they, you know, the vegetarian options are very good. They have vegan options they had raw food options. Um, and, and obviously the, the Thai food is fantastic. And, you know, the, a lot of the, for, for me, I don't eat a lot of dairy products. So it was, it was absolutely ideal. Yeah. A lot of the Asian food is, you know, not very dairy orientated. So um, that was extremely good. And, you know, the service is very quick as well. You know, you just jump out of the pool and, two minutes away you you can be in the restaurant and, you know, two minutes later you've got a pad tie. so it's, it's not bad.
1: Awesome. I will look forward to seeing how you progress during the season. It's always good to get um, some up-and-coming athletes on the show. So if people want to follow you, I guess they can go to the Itzu um, Tri-Team website, but is there anything else uh, you want to get out there in terms of things that uh, things that you're up to or ways that people can follow you?
4: Yeah, sure. So on, on Instagram, uh, uh, I'm, I'm under Colin, C-O-L-I-N uh, dot APB Works. That's APB Works. That's um, that's also the, the coaching company, um, which is apbworks.com. Um, so, you know, you can find me on, on, on those on those streams.
1: Awesome, mate. All the best for your season, and fingers crossed your UK weather actually um, starts to look up, and it's, uh, it might not quite get to the, the Tanyapura warmness, but hopefully it uh, starts to improve, so you can guys get some uh, some good quality outside training.
4: Great. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate your time.
1: And John, your thoughts? Uh, it's cool. That's one of the things I like about the show, is I've never heard of Colin Norris before No, and, uh, and a lot of people won't have. He's a guy that finishes 5th through 10th uh, at 70.3s at the moment, looking yep. to make that sort of step up to the next level and um, and that's one of the cool things about podcasts. We can highlight you know the top people but also the up-and-comers and mm-hmm. hopefully that makes you guys slightly more educated watchers of triathlon sports and not just always focusing on the, the guys that, uh, that take the podium. Yeah,
0: good time. So um, thank you Colin for coming on the show. So John, let's talk about some patrons Murray the Holy Hammer Lapworth we got Adam Flipper Philby And Leon RoboTri Parry And you going guys If you want to be a patron Go Me. It's all pretty clear On the website And you support us and what we're doing And like Mike Pizzle Pizzle Mark
1: the Swizzle Puzzle. Swizzle
0: Pizzle uh, Like him you Maybe you have to win a trip to Kona eventually So thank you very much For all the patrons of the show John Quickly sponsors
1: Extreme Insurance Your
0: Lactic Buffer Tanya Pora Your awesome holiday destination Slash sporting destination John Your patrons as well If you want to email us Go to www Oh sorry Go IamTalkPodcast At gmail.com John Who won the triathlon?
1: Who won the triathlon? Okay Here we go God I don't know what I predicted last week uh, the week before I'm going to I'm going to go the girls should be Flora Duffy that's going to be a surprise if she doesn't win and then on the guys side of things I who did I predict I think I went Jake Whistle, so I'm going to stick with that hometown victory
0: that would be a big one, but wouldn't
1: it that would be huge yeah if he won the, if you can beat Brownlee and Murray both Brownleys and Murray and Schumann
0: but he's a young he's a young boy isn't he well not uh, boy he's yeah, up and is. isn't
1: he yeah he's he's still pretty young Yeah. Nice. That's what that's just a, a, a little bit of an outsider one, but then there's there's about five guys that could win. <sighs> you've got Brownlees, Schumann, uh, or Richard Murray a How many times have you been to the North Dreamworld France. already? We've been we're going on the first day, we're getting off the plane and we're going straight to Dreamworld.
0: Oh wow. Mm. That's a big days too. You're shagged at the end of the Dreamworld yeah. Day. Yeah, the, what, joy with the Which I favorite ride?
1: I've never been before. You've never been to Dreamworld? No.
0: It's shocking, John Newsom.
1: How many times have you been? Oh, about eight. Really? Yeah. How many times have you been to Disneyland? Just once. Okay. Yeah. Magic Mountain?
0: Yeah. Oh, don't go to Magic Mountain? Is that. No, I went to uh, Six Flags.
1: Yes, it is Magic Mountain.
0: Okay, you yeah, did go there. Yep, 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 yep. yep.
1: And trying I went to, trying to, to trying Universal to find Studios. i have done that you haven't done <laughs> so I can be shocked and dismayed? Yeah, no, I've done it all, John.
0: <laughs> yep. Climbed Everest. Yep, I've done that. Yeah. Uh, yep.
1: How was that flight down to Antarctica the other day? Oh,
0: I loved it it. I was going to do a really bad joke then, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lucky in New Zealand. Um, John, any other
1: goss? No other goss. Uh, come on, the Kiwis.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm going to predict the Warriors won last weekend. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to predict they beat the Cowboys. The Broncos or the Cowboys? Yes, they beat the Cowboys five in a row. Five, five, five in a row. Anyway, John, let's work. get out
3: of here. Uh,
1: Iron I'm Russ.
0: I'm Don't Train hard. Train smart.